Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. Hey, there. <laughs> Welcome. Here we are on another evening uh, recording, and I'll tell you what. So today, I know this won't release for a little while, so I think two weeks, but today is the day we change the clocks. Yeah. And while you think that in the in the fall, when you fall back, that that is easier because you get an extra hours hour of sleep. It's actually an hour later for our internal clocks than our clocks tell us it is. And so I'm tired and ready to go to sleep like an hour ago. Yeah, but. I'm not a fan of this time change. I like the sun and happiness and all of those things. And do not care for four o'clock midnight, but. <laughs> That su- sunset for us today was at 4.35. Yeah, see? Yeah, no thank you. But anyway, I don't control those things. Although I did, I thought someone somewhere said daylight savings time was going to go away. And it was like in Congress. Apparently, like everyone forgot about it. And so here we are again. Correct. Congress, get on that. Anyway, I agree. I think the this time change is ridiculous. Although I did get to see a beautiful sunrise this morning at 6.30. Instead of seven thirty, like it would have been, but still, I mean, you still could have seen it at seven thirty. I could maybe. I like to be getting ready for church in the morning by then. So okay, I wouldn't have been able to be out there with my dog having a very leisurely morning. That's the That's theory. Cool. All right. Anyway, okay. All right. Okay. We are in the middle of a a conversation on Nehemiah, specifically in the context of leadership development, and we're working ourselves through this book called Becoming Nehemiah, Leading with Significance by David McKenna. Um, We're not that far, friends, so when I say we're in the middle, middle is a very elastic term is the word I'm going to use there. Uh, Two-eighths? Yeah, I don't know. One fourth, quarter of the way. Two eighths would be one even. fourth. Is it? I don't yeah, do math. <laughs> Just making stuff up. Isn't that what we normally do? We're on chapter two. We are on chapter two. But very specifically this evening, we wanted to talk about, instead of, you know, kind of getting diving into Nehemiah just yet, we wanted to talk about this concept of the crucible that McKenna talks about and i think that this is a very helpful especially when you think of your own leadership and your own leadership development last week you know we talked about and i don't know if anybody anybody took us up on the on the thing of coming up with an autobiographical title of your kind of journey in christ up to this point what would your autobiography be titled Mm -hmm. and amanda's was really (laughs) except i don't do it with the same intonation as you did it really really there you go really you gotta pitch it higher i didn't pitch it higher and high enough (laughs) and then mine was proof is in the pudding but he goes on in this second chapter to talk about this model of a crucible and the crucible is a uh a play wasn't it a play didn't you didn't i have to i think i had to read that play turned into a movie in the 90s oh yes i watched it arthur miller is the Arthur yes. Miller is the playwright, and it's about essentially a descent into madness. There is which that. is not what you want to do when you're <laughs> faced with a crucible. Yes, but a crucible in a scientific kind of theory is 
this uh, kind of bowl that you put, let's say a metal you want to purify. Uh-huh. And okay. you heat it to a very high temperature. And then the stuff that is impure comes to the top. It it what is that word? Dross? The dross, the sloth, the 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 stuff that's impure pulls off of it. I, I think of, you know, those videos where they, you know, put like aluminum cans in a, in a metal container and it melts and then they pour aluminum frame or aluminum pours uh -huh. and you have to scrape off the, you know, especially with aluminum cans, all the coloring and all of those extra like stuff that isn't aluminum. They have uh -huh. to pull off that dross. But the crucible is the thing that holds it and is heated to temperature and it helps to purify whatever you're you're aiming to purify okay so in the context of leadership or the context of leadership development the thing um the thing that's being purified you could argue is our leadership okay yeah is how we lead is how we um you know and also it shows what kind of metal you're made out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether... So um, one of a really great, well, I mean, I'm still young in my leadership, but I, I think it's a great um, advice I have gotten about choosing other people for leadership or choosing people for the team is that you very, very rarely will go for the person who demands it from you. Saying, I need be I need to be in such such position for X Y Z reasons. I whatever. Instead, you want to look for the people that are doing it without recognition. Mm -hmm. That are already essentially picking up that slack without the title, and to elevate them into that. Right, you're seeing them operate in that field because they said sometimes when you go for people who want just the title of leadership without the mm -hmm. already the hard work it's just gonna end up just in disaster right yep because sometimes leadership is a hard thing mm -hmm. and people who want power and and that's what leadership is it's a semblance of power mm -hmm. um people who want that are generally not that well suited for it. <laughs> right. But I agree. People who demand are generally not the people you want to give over leadership to. Mm -hmm. Because often, well, for sure, for me, that rubs me the wrong way. Have you ever heard, oh, I don't want to get... I don't want to get the name wrong. There is a Native American tribe. Okay. Um, maybe several. And I don't want to sit, just name one and guess. But they have a rite of passage for um, boys to men, boys becoming men. That okay. That involves the woods. Okay. Okay. Um, so in this tribe, I'm trying to look it up while I'm doing it. Um. <laughs> These boys will stay for one month in the tent of their mothers. 
Okay. okay. Around 11, 10 or 11. They'll stay for one month. They don't come outside the tent of their mom. And this is essentially like the last um, moment of his childhood. Okay. Then at some point near the end of the month, their fathers will kidnap them from the tent. All right. And they will put a hood over their head and they will lead them out into the woods somewhere with nothing and leave them there. And then if they can make it back to camp, they're now men. Okay. Right. And um, when thinking about this crucible moment, right, how can you determine who is going to mature in the midst of hard circumstances? Right. You know, and that kind of thing that um, people need struggle. Yeah. To become the best people. Actually, that was a whole point of the Matrix, but not including the important story. <laughs> but, um, but to become the best versions of themselves, you need struggle. Like these boys, in order to be, become self-realized maturely, they have to figure out how to make their way home, right? They got to figure out they're no longer little kids anymore. They had that time with their moms, but now they are. And when they and when they come back, I don't think they ever go back with their moms again. But like is done. But but that kind of thing about how do you train up a leader? You have to you have to embrace or at least learn from these moments, these crucible moments. Mm-hmm. So Indeed. I mean, I could tell you mine in leadership. One of my crucible moments. Okay. Um. So we were, we had just kind of come into the Salvation Army. We were just random randos from the street who just wandered in one day to a Salvation Army um, and got involved, uh, got moved from uh, the church we were attending and kind of got sent out to join the Army and their work. And, um, you know, after two years or so, we felt... Actually, our leaders came to us and said, we think, you know, we think you'd make a good officer. And we prayed about it. And the Lord said, yeah, go through the door. And we're like, great. And uh, so we became what's known as an intern, which is, I mean, essentially, um, you know, you're working under a core in in the with the hope of entering seminary. Um, And that time was just really, really hard. Um, I think I've shared before, you know, we were. We were applying to join the seminary. We're like, yeah, they, you know, they came to us, right? They want us. And then they kept putting that denial stamp, you know, four times in a row, this denial stamp. Um, And that time was very, very difficult. Me and my husband were on the, almost on the verge of divorce at that time. We had two young kids. We were working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week for we were living in somebody's basement and like that should not have been a basement. Actually, I didn't even have a bedroom. We had a curtain in a laundry room. So we slept in the laundry room so our kids could have the bedroom and like just put up a curtain and I had to spray it with bet with spider stuff. Like before I went to bed or I'd wake up with <laughs> spider bites. Um, and I kept just saying like, like, God, what the heck? Like, 
Like what? Um, you're telling us, you know, you want us to be leaders and I am covered in spider bites and picking up dry cleaning. Like this is not what I was imagining in my in my time. Uh and he just kept putting the sense of peace and said, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was a really trying time where I was like, but by the grace of God, I I, I wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. But God just said, wait, you know, and then when uh, we finally did arrive at the seminary, everything like made sense. It all just like, I mean, it was whatever, five years at that point later. And it was like, oh, but, you know, I think if we hadn't have had went, if we hadn't, have, that is not a proper sentence structure. If we had not gone through that time. One, I don't think I would have appreciated seminary like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And two, I wouldn't really know my why for being in ministry. Okay. That, you know, um, we had almost every reason to quit, Mm -hmm. but didn't. But God Mm -hmm. kept saying, just hold on. And if I could hold on in that time, then I can hold on through. I can hold on through a lot. Mm hmm. Absolutely. That was one of my crucible moments. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about leadership. Well, actually, the thing about life is that we all have leadership or crucible moments. Those moments where we're tried or tested or just going through difficult periods or or stress or struggle or chaos or fill in the blank. But the, the difference is are you do you are you made stronger or maybe purified through it or are you broken now brokenness is not all, always bad mm-hmm. i think sometimes people think that brokenness is always a negative thing and don't get me wrong in the middle of being broken it is not fun nor is it positive but looking back oftentimes it is our times of brokenness that god is kind of reshaping in his image, who we are, and he needs to break us to do it first. And that's actually, that can be a symbol of strength, right? One of the key markers of a good leader is one who can fail well. Yeah. Who can say, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I need to pull other people in that know how to do this because it's not in my wheelhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes I think a mark of a bad leader is one who pretends like they could do it all or thinks they know everything, mm-hmm. which is even worse. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I've always said, well, I, I say I've always said as though I'm some knowledgeable, wise old person or something, but uh, I have often said that the worst thing you can do as a leader is think you know everything because yeah. then one you often won't listen to anybody around you because well i know all the things but also you're not teachable you can't learn you can't learn from mistakes that you make you can't learn from mistakes others make you just aren't able to learn in general and i found that while i do know a lot of things um the people around me know different things than i do even if it's 
you know, I you could say, oh, well, they know less than I do. Well, quantity isn't always the key factor mm -hmm. in knowledge, right? Sometimes it's the quality. It's the what do they know, right? I think of the uh, the old story of the guy who comes and they've had this machine broken at this factory, and the guy comes and they've or they've had. You know, people come again and again, and nobody can get this machine working again. This older gentleman comes, he listens for five minutes, taps it on one little spot with a little hammer, and it suddenly works. And he charges them $3,000. Like, whoa, wait a second. Why are you charging us $3,000 for a little tap? Well, because you've had lots and lots of people do all of these tests and didn't know where to hit the hammer, you know, right? Because again, it's what you know. In the right. moment, what, and so, in in leadership, it's having the humility to say, in this moment, I don't know, but someone might, mm -hmm. right, and being able to say, I need help in this, oh. and being able to receive that help. Uh, but I I love this. So there's three four categories that he kind of talks about as you know leadership development or four factors he calls them. Um, and so it's not just crucibles that's that are important to figuring mm -hmm. out leadership. Excuse me. One is your context, mm -hmm. the context of your leadership. So I mean, think specifically back to Nehemiah, the context is he's a cupbearer for the king in the Persian Empire under King Artaxerxes. And that's his context. And he's a Jew. OK, in my leadership. OK, I'm a 40 something uh, farmer's daughter in Wisconsin okay. or, and I'm, I consider myself very passionately Gen X when it comes to generational <laughs> distinctions, right? Um, that's a context, right? It's the era in which leaders are developed. It's, it's who you are, how, you, and, and where, what your setting is, right? And yeah, that can be important, especially when dealing with people in your setting who are other leaders, or just other people in general, whether they're leaders or not, because the context in which they grew up, you know, I think of some of the leaders, quote unquote, in my congregation or the leaders in business back when I used to work for the grocery store, there were generational differences in those leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to recognize that leadership maybe looks different for someone of a different context than you, mm -hmm. and that's okay. It's okay if the leadership looks a different, little different. Now, it doesn't mean that it needs it. You know, in the context of ministry, you certainly wouldn't want an ungodly leader. Like leadership still needs to be godly leadership, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but the context is important because how you how you think of things, how you look at different situations, how you uh, knee-jerk react to things. All of that is context of what your situation is. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I so just generationally, right? I am an inner-city millennial. Yeah. Right. That's my context. And my first appointment was in rural Missouri. And I, I did, I had to figure out how to operate successfully in that. Yeah. You know, put aside. Actually, I learned. I had a. Um, a somewhat sub subconscious uh um 
assumption about people who lived in rural areas. Yeah. You know, so I had to deal with some some prejudices in my that weren't even like I didn't even like notice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, because I had grown up in the city and I had seen the movie Deliverance, you know, and so I had some preconceived notions of what that was going to be. <laughs> that uh, didn't end up being becoming the case, but having to but having to adjust to say my known context doesn't my you know where I came from doesn't fit this context. So I have to learn and observe and ask people who do know and get people on the team that right all those things. and adapt. And again, back to the learning aspect, right? Being able to be willing to learn, be humble. Mm -hmm. um, the second factor is character. That's the values that individuals bring to leadership. So again, some of this comes from your past, how you grew up, what mm -hmm. your life experience and history is, what kind of leaders have you learned under that you've adapted their styles? Or what kind of leaders have you learned under that you were like, look, I will never be that kind of leader because that was toxic, <laughs> right? You, I think you can learn from people positively and negatively, right? And sometimes from the same person, positively and negatively, right? Like, I like this thing that they do, but I definitely don't like this thing that they do. And you can learn from that. But character is important. It's how, how do you... Take what you've learned in your life, your upbringing, <laughs> your experiences, what you've learned as a child up through adolescence into adulthood. What are those characteristics that make you you that you bring to the table just naturally in leadership? Well, and this is such a great segue from the emotional, healthy spirituality that we just did. These two yes. things, your context matters and your character um, matters, right? Like who you are as an individual is on purpose. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, even the old, you know, the, the Esther cliche, right. For such a time as this, but it's true. It really is true. Yeah. You know, um, we're just uh, today we were talking about, I'm doing a Thanksgiving series on the Trinity actually. And we were talking about God, the father. And I went through like, um, the expanse of like the universe, like how big is Earth versus the galaxy versus the sun versus galaxies versus um, um, the sun, um, that the star that they just found, Ant Antonym, which can hold thirty six million of our stars, of our of our sun in it. Antonym, yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot, right? So the God who created all of this is keeping it in motion is personally invested in your story. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> like, wild. wild, right? Um, but that it matters. And yeah. what, uh, what, the, what people might have meant for evil, you might not have been born under great circumstances. Mm -hmm. I didn't, my parents didn't love each other. Right. They never probably should have been together, but they did. And here I am. But, but, but God has used it for good. Yeah. But God. Right. And and in Nehemiah, um, exile isn't good. Sub subjugation isn't good. But God is using his position for good. Because mm -hmm. that's what he does. Right. So your context and your character matter a lot. Yeah. But also God can redeem that story. 
uh, as we talked about with emotionally healthy spirituality, we can't wallow in the past. We can't let that shape us to the detriment of who we are now, right? We, we can overcome some of those bad things that we've learned or unhealthy things that we've learned, um, as we identify them, as we deal with them. Uh, but in addition, because of the context that we grew up in and the character we've grown into as individuals, we can utilize those skills and assets in leadership mm-hmm. as we, again, yeah, you keep, you keep kept saying the, um, what got, what you meant for, you know, what, what was meant for evil God used for good. And I so that's a quote from the life of Joseph in Genesis, mm-hmm. um, where his brothers sold him into slavery after they decided not to kill him. So I guess there's that, uh, but and Joseph had even more travails that had happened, but several crucibles in his life, including mm-hmm. being sold into slavery by his own family. Uh, Excuse thrown, prison. thrown in prison, abandoned in prison. Yeah, a whole lot. And all of those experiences led him to second in command of Egypt to get the the known world basically through seven years of famine mm-hmm. crazy god what? is so awesome working through things so we did we have talked at length about the crucible and this isn't just it's not like your life you get to just have one crucible typically um, all right you can have you can have maybe one major crucible or maybe a couple major crucibles but then there are little crucibles that can happen um just times of this he says here uh the crucible of experience is the place of testing where leaders are prepared so things that happen to us or things that just circumstances occur and so we can learn and grow through them you know i think of you know when i was a missionary in russia uh i think of that time a little bit in a crucible um i wouldn't say an extremely harsh one but uh, I was young. I was one of the youngest people on the trip. There's 20, I believe 21 of us who went uh, as missionaries for a month in Russia. And we were coming back uh, from Petrozavodsk, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's okay. Back on an overnight train to St. Petersburg to fly home to the States at the end of our trip. And um, one of the kind of ways in which the trip had kind of fostered a leadership in me is just by default of a whole lot of set of circumstances. I got kind of got thrust into a position of leadership um, just due to kind of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I felt very ill-equipped for it because I was very young, uh, what, 19, I think at the time. And many of the people who were on the trip were in their forties, fifties, sixties. But we we got let we were at the train station in St. Petersburg at five in the morning, uh, getting uh, paired up with a group of people who were handling our our housing for the night, and so we were heading to the bus to be taken to our housing. We were staying with families uh, that had been arranged through an a, a third party, and all of a sudden the group got split, and I was 
hanging back with our the slowest member of our crew who had had a broken leg. Mm. So she was on crutches, so she couldn't be very fast. Um, her friend and then a, a lady from Brazil was, uh, we were moving quite slowly. But all of a sudden we lose track in the middle of St. Petersburg train station of the rest of our group. And this is the country where of the group of us at that juncture, I knew the most Russian. And I was, some of these people had been on this trip years, like four or five years in a row. And I just kept thinking, my Russian sucks. I don't know enough Russian. If we get lost or split from our group, we're in trouble. And so I ended up having our group, our little four people who were missing from the larger group, stop at a place that I knew where they were. It was at a pole. And I'm, okay, mm-hmm. the number is, you know, 21 or whatever. And said, you guys stay here. Do not move. I will go find the rest of our crew. Well, the rest of our crew was loaded onto a bus pulling out of the parking lot without us. Did they just not notice you weren't there? They didn't. (laughs) Therein lies part of the problem, right? Right. And so here I am flagging them down. like, hey, by the way. (laughs) And so, so one of the members gets out and she's like, get on. We're about ready to leave. I said, there are three more people. Did you not do a head count? That's like standard operating procedure. Yeah. By the way, friends, if you ever go on an excursion, the large group of people, please, before you go somewhere, leave the premises. Make sure you do a head count. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that from those experiences, by the way, we are all safe and sound. We made it on the bus. Um, but at that juncture, I I realized that leadership didn't just meet, it wasn't a figurehead position mm-hmm. because we had a leader of that of that group of people at that juncture. Somebody mm-hmm. was in charge of that group of people who got on that bus and asked the bus driver to leave because he thought everybody was on the bus. And so leadership doesn't always look like a title or yeah. like a, a position of authority. Mm-hmm. Sometimes leadership is standing up and saying, this isn't right, or this isn't the way it needs to go. And sometimes it takes, and I wouldn't even necessarily say a crucible, but just an opportunity. This is an opportunity that somebody needs to step up. Who's going to be the one to step up? And we talked about in the last couple of weeks, Nehemiah, again, mm-hmm. back to the Esther comment, just the for such a time as this, who's going to do it? Somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to say something and get it done. And in that case, that day, it was me who was able to see what was happening and say, not on my watch. Also, because I had no idea where we were supposed to go and we would have been up a creek without paddles. We've been sleeping in the train station. Not in Russia, dude. Not in Russia. I don't know. I, I'm glad it worked out because I would have been. I mean, I was nervous as all get out. I don't know what I would have done because cell phones weren't a thing then. I. <laughs> Really don't know. That story is way longer. There's lots more to that story. I wish I could say that that was the last of that fiasco, but that that individual, in my estimation, at 19 years of age, should not have been given the reins of leadership for that group of people. And, and back to, right, not everyone who wants a position should have it. Correct. And sometimes, because we're the fourth category, the fourth factor is competency. Right. And these are the proficiencies for future leadership that are shaped in the crucible 
sometimes you can get to a position of leadership beyond your competency. And I, you can have, you have a couple choices, right? If you are in a position of leadership beyond your competency, you could say, I don't know what I'm doing. Please, can I have my old job back? Kind of a thing, thing right? You could say, oh, crud, I don't know what I'm doing. Help and bring bring in people to help you to to fill in the gap of your competencies. You could also seek to learn and to grow and have humility and say, this person has a competency in this area. I'm going to go learn from them. So um, where we just came from, you know, one of the things we were doing was developing leaders. And uh, there was one young lady in particular um, who was very, very competent, but she was trying to do all the things, right? Mm. She, she was over committing. Um, and I, I was tempted to let her. Yeah. Because we need, we need people, right? We need stuff. Right. Uh, we need stuff needs to happen. But I remember sitting here and said, there always is going to be more to do. Always. 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 But you need to train yourself now to not be the one to do them all. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and trying to develop in her that leadership um, of when to, when to stop and when to learn more and when to realize, um, you know, I'm overextended or I don't have enough knowledge in this area or I don't, you know, because that is what happens, right? A lot of times people get thrown, especially in ministry, people get thrown in to stuff because they have like an, like a little bit of competency and someone's like, great, do all the things. And then they try to do all the things and they get burned out of all the things and then they do none of the things. Yeah. Um, and it's something I've seen play out over and over and over again. Um, and it's something that I, I really, well, I don't always take my own advice, but at least in the people that I'm leading, um, I, something I really think about is, um, take time to develop. Yeah. Jesus took 30 years. Four yeah. Or three years. You know, and then beyond. But you know what I mean? Like he took time yeah. to develop. Right. I mean, he could have been leading disciples at 13 if he wanted to. Right. Right. He could have. But he took time. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. And I know next week we're actually going to start reading it, reading the book <laughs> of Nehemiah. We're actually so going to dive into Nehemiah, friends. I promise it's there. Uh, some of this setup is just helpful as yeah. you think about. So if, if this book is interesting, I think it's a fabulous leadership book mm -hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of which is it's practical. It's things that you could sit down and think through and ponder on and maybe help improve your own leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and especially given, you know, leadership looks different in different circumstances and contexts, right? Some of us have positional leadership and all of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with that, the responsibility that comes with that. Some of us lead from a position of the second chair. We're in this position of number two. And you can lead from that position. It looks different than leading from a position of number one. 
And then some of us might be leading from a position that you might consider dead last. And in my opinion, you're in very good company because Jesus said the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Mm -hmm. um, and there are sometimes very real frustrations that come from leading from a position of kind of lower power or lower authority. But leadership isn't always about giving uh, giving demands or or what's the commands right mm -hmm. that's who need to do this or you need to do that that's not in fact that is not leadership that's being a boss or yeah. a manager um because often leadership is is someone who's a leader is not always the person in charge mm -hmm. In fact, there's many times in my life where I've followed leaders who had no positional authority because uh -huh. they led instead of demanded or commanded. Mm, good Absolutely. stuff. Final thoughts tonight? Um, yeah. So, you know, the first week we talked about that title of your book. And so um, a great exercise would be for this one is to map out some of those crucibles. Like, and then we talked about before, even if you don't, don't think I don't have any, I don't have any leadership I'm in. Um, everybody has a little bit of something. Um, and so just think about those areas. And, and even if it's not been leadership, but what are some of the defining moments in your life? And I think it's, it's good to um, have those for when things get hard, like, you know, on days in my own life, when being a, a pastor is difficult, being a Salvation Army is difficult. I can remember back to my internship when it was difficult and I can say, God saw me through then he will certainly see me through now. Or even um, in when I can look at the lives of scripture, like um, Joseph or um, Nehemiah or um, Esther and all, you know, I can say, wow, if he saw them through, he can see me through. And so having those, close to your heart, I think is really helpful on the days when, when it's difficult Yeah, to say, God has seen me through, mm -hmm. right? Just like those boys, uh, you know, becoming men, right? They made it, if they can make it through the wilderness, a scary wilderness in the middle of the night to get back home, they have, they have earned their passage, right? To adulthood. And, um, we have dark nights, <laughs> that we've made it through yeah and and so so to write those down keep them keep them in your heart talk to other people about them if you want to yeah i think too uh how how have you been tested yeah. has your character been tested how have you know what what have you learned from the testing of your character what have you learned from the crucibles are there competencies, if you will, that you know now that you didn't know prior to that time of testing? Um, what are things you do differently? Because if we think back, uh, we'll find that we, we've learned a lot more than we think we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but also we'll learn probably that we need to learn a lot more than we think we do. So <laughs> that's not a bad thing either. But all right, friends. It's been a fun night. I hope that you guys have enjoyed our conversation. If you have comments or questions to send them our way, um, we'd like to hear from you. Make sure that we're we're on the right track. Um, 
there's a lot of good material in this book and I hope that uh, you're able to find it or look for it. Um, and if not, that you just gain some stuff from the conversations we're having. So, all right, yep. friends, God blesses us. Why, Amanda? So we can be a blessing to others. All right. All right.